0: Father, you're the one with the big mouth and i would really enjoy closing it especially in front of all my friends but my hands are registered as lethal weapons that means we get into a fight i accidentally kill you i go to jail anybody accidentally kills anybody in a fight they go to jail it's called manslaughter
1: You, you know what i'm i'm about to take this a different direction you know what i'm really proud of we haven't said a word about quarterbacks. No, and I feel I'm like just, for
0: until you, until you broke it until you did it.
1: Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I feel like you and I both have a good eye for interesting topics. You know, I'm, I'm about to write about how uh, the, the, once we get off this call, I'm going to write about some linebacker stuff and how between DeMarvin overshone being a, a versatile piece uh, you know, uh, Jalen Ford, having a great off season and the addition of Tucker Dorsey, who they sound like they like, you know, they, they, they feel a little bit better about the linebacker spot, but we also understand what, what drives attention, and what people want to know about. And it's that bulleted dude, uh, you know, competing with Hudson card uh, for the quarterback spot spot. Um, but before, before we get to that, I was always curious. I don't know if I've ever heard your take on Malik Murphy. And I'm really curious because he seems like he's the third string guy. And depending on what happens, you know, as quarterback battles go, he could end up second string, not saying that a transfer is imminent, but that's just how quarterback happens in the 2020s.
0: So interesting thing about Malik Murphy. Already, as all UT backup quarterbacks do, already developing a substantial personality cult. And uh, particularly if you go to YouTube, where I've appeared with Bobby and we've discussed the quarterbacks, several comments about, you know, Paul fails to address Malik Murphy and his impact this year. And uh, so that's that's true to form. Uh, these, the, the same comments, whatever version of YouTube existed 15 years ago, they were saying that about Marty Cherry and Greg Cicero. So uh, when is
1: Matt Norton getting in the game? Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I feel like Vince Young really hogs the spotlight and Matt Nordgren has <laughs> something to offer. So, yeah, that's been going on forever. Uh, the deal with Malik Murphy, in my opinion, was I saw his ranking and then I saw his film and the two did not marry, okay? His his early rankings as this five-star prospect were nonsensical. It was nonsense. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the fact that this guy looked very physically mature. Yeah threw a nice ball and was good in like seven on seven situations. Right. It's, it was like the worst rankings possible. Uh, And premised on this idea of what a quarterback is built in like 1982. Right. True. And, but
1: I think there was a lot of people in the Texas sphere who were like, Oh, it's Tyrone Swoops part two, which is yes. not the case. He is not They're
0: very, very different
1: types of, of raw. So to yes. Speak.
0: In fact, he's, he's not like a runner, you know, no, there's uh, look, obviously if you're a big athletic looking black dude, people assume you're a dual threat. Mm-hmm. We haven't had enough Byron left, witches to apparently like disabuse people of the stereotyping. But once you get over that, um, you realize what he's raw about is his physical tool. His physical tools are huge. He just lacks touch. He lacks finesse. He he doesn't have the full uh, arsenal, right? And so then what's interesting is a lot of the smart recruiting people wrote him off completely. Like, look at this complete mismatch of his skills and ability versus his ranking. This is stupid, right? And then they stopped watching him. And then California played these two weird, truncated high school COVID seasons, sort of almost back to back. And what you saw was Malik Murphy, uh, and as this happened, his rankings plummeted. But then actually, they should have gone back up. right? Because then you started to see some of it come together. And you saw like, okay, this is a dude who's like standing in the pocket with three guys hanging off him and then throwing a 45-yard strike down the field. Um, and he's got some games. He's got some gamer to him, right? He's playing with kind of not a great supporting cast and right, leading the team to a successful season. So the point is there was a mis- misestimation of his abilities. There was an overcorrection. And now you're starting to see a correction again, but it's built on nothing since he's arrived at UT because he sat out the entire spring with an injury. But what he was able to do was participate in film sessions off, you know, off season stuff. And the coaches said, Hey, this guy's an awesome kid. He's got a great attitude. He's smart. He wants to get better. And so that's now leaking out. And so people are like, Oh, you know, watch out, you know, Arch Manning. And so <laughs> also, you know, I think he also grew a little bit, um, yeah. which, you know, 17 and 18 year olds are want to do. And, uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I just talked. I was just talking to a guy the other day. Oh, yes, yeah, Bobby Burton. Bobby was four foot 11 when he was a freshman in high school. Right. Yeah. But I, I know, know plenty of guys like that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, and I'm glad you mentioned, you, you basically hit on all the, the areas I thought of. Um, and, and another thing was you mentioned like the guys hanging off of them, like this Unipero Sarah uh, team. Dory Jackson and Mark Lee were not on this on his no. team. I think they had. I think he had one uh, teammate who uh, was a Roderick Pleasant, who's a D1 player, but he was a skill player. And that line, that line is not the you know last year's Westlake line that had three different guys. I think going to uh, uh, the Division One level. So um, yeah, I'm with you every day. And then you can also just look at what a lot of coaches look for. He won. He won a state championship that way too. Yeah. Granted, it was California, 2021. It wasn't that that 2020 season, and or the spring 21 season is easily write-offable. I feel like for me, uh, but that fall 2021 season, that's you know that was a legit season where they're working and he showed progress to where he's our I mean, he passed Charles right in the spring, basically, uh, and he's passed Charles right now. And I think, uh, of, of course, some of that has to do with you know he probably has a little bit more skill set fit of what Sarkeesian wants to do but you know that 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 also just shows that there's a level of talent there that I think like you mentioned people wanted to dismiss and now is being made apparent
0: yeah I think I think if you want to give him a comp of who Sark has coached previously I think Sark sees him and he sees a little Carson Palmer yeah I think so Maybe not a um, polish and the hype. Carson Palmer was like a huge high school recruit and all this, but right. uh, if you see the size, I mean, Carson Palmer is a huge guy and yeah. stands strong in the pocket. Not super athletic, uh, but man, if if you draw it up and you protect him, you know Carson Palmer is a good quarterback and he was a good quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but wasn't a good quarterback at USC until Pete Carroll and Norm Chow and Steve Sarkisian arrived. So kind of interesting uh but i I would think if there's a physical comp that's probably what sark sees like that's the kind of offense i could run with malik murphy
1: so what about the uh the number one quarterback battle
0: uh cbd obviously you know some of
1: it's no 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 strong stance we can't get you uh putting putting your hammer down right now and calling the shot
0: i mean i i I haven't seen enough i haven't seen the stuff off the field um you know, I, I think yours offers the, what I perceive as the higher upside, but I don't know, you know, ultimately Sark's going to have to figure that out. And it, there's an, a, there's a philosophical piece to this too, which is if there isn't a clear separation, do you go with the more experienced guy
1: mm-hmm.
0: or do you go with the guy that ultimately you think has more upside because there isn't a clear separation and he hasn't. That guy hasn't played yet, so you play through it. Um, I I feel like Quinn Ewers – look, I think you just have to commit with his play style, especially as a freshman. There's going to be some rough games, and I don't want to hear it from freaking Texas fans. A
1: freshman savior?
0: No. Yeah. Hold on. I I I don't want to hear it from Texas fans when he throws his first four-interception game because I can point to all the games where Vince Young went out and frankly got benched for being ineffective i was at the apple turnover game which the apple white cultists like to pretend you know chris sims is the only guy who ever choked in a big game against a big opponent i was at the apple turnover game where they played kansas state back when kansas state had like six dudes nfl dudes on their defense and apple white god bless the guy because they were overmatched. uh not not on the other side of the ball the texas defense played awesome in that game but i mean you would have sworn he bet on the game on Kansas state watching that game. It was so bad. And if he heard that, I think he'd laugh because, and I've never seen a quarterback get so get hit so hard, so frequently by Mark Simino specifically uh, from Kansas state. He had Darren Howard just murdered Applewhite Applewhite lost composure in that game, by the way, you know, the, Calm, always cerebral, major apple, lost composure, started throwing pick sixes, started taking sacks, seeing ghosts. It can happen to every quarterback. There's a development process. It's going to be with Quinn Ewers, not only because he's a freshman, but also because Quinn Ewers puts his nuts out there and tries to make plays. Right. Sometimes that doesn't always go well. Right, yeah.
1: But, I mean, it's funny that you brought that whole point back around to – Quinn, because I think you could just as quickly bring that whole point back around to, to Hudson Card, um, and 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 you mentioned you know after a certain point people just wrote off Malik Murphy after a you know poor spring twenty twenty one showing, and this isn't to put lipstick on what Hudson Card's performances were in twenty twenty one because they were not good. Yeah. Um, the, the 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 benching at Arkansas, if that's what it was, was justified. The continued benching. Still up for debate, but luckily we don't have to have that anymore because uh, Casey Thompson traded Burn orange for, for big red. But, you know, progress isn't linear. Like Hudson Card was respected for Elite 11. He went to Lake Travis. He did all that stuff. Now he still hasn't put that fully together at the college level, but he's remember he's only had very limited chances to do so. You know, and I think the other thing was, and we've mentioned this a lot, it's always been deep balls with him. Like, he's kind of got the the touch for, you know, in and out stuff, quick passing. That's never been anything that we've perceived an issue with. But he just couldn't hit deep throws. There's that one glaring example, I think, that would, in the Iowa State game, it would have made it either like 17-16 or Texas or maybe like 14-3 Texas, where Xavier Worthy's wide open and misses it. And there was a a juncture at the West Virginia game before he got hurt where he finally hits that deep ball to Xavier Worthy that, that Texas hadn't hit all game and really didn't hit much in that game. And you just see this giant smile on his face, like finally. And that, A, that indicates like, okay, he knows that's his weakness. But B, that before that high ankle sprain, you could kind of tell like, okay, he's starting to get it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And I think there's a large... Portion of the fan base that just kind of refuses to believe that that happened or can happen still still you got to balance that with with what Quinn is and what Quinn has like that deep throw to Isaiah and Aor that wasn't a one-off that's kind of what people perceive Quinn's ability to be in hitting those deep throws and stuff like that and even at the open practice yesterday he was I, I mean I'm no quarterback expert. I kind of like the position, but you know, he was just kind of you know, Mahomesing, like just get the snap, all right, throw it however it can, and and getting it to like a little quick out. And I, I don't know if that's the right way. I don't know if that's wrong way. But that's something he has the ability to do. Um, it's just you know you, you have to balance Hudson Card's own ability to progress with you know maybe Quinn Ewers having a steeper line, but not having passed cards quite yet and that's what Sarkeesian has to figure out over the course of this camp but I think he, he definitely has he's even said over and over like I've got more data after this summer granted it's only 16 hours of data but it's data nonetheless and I think he also realizes what a lot of people on on inside Texas and across a fan base believe is that you know building around a guy as early as possible does help your team if he's the guy yeah uh and if if there's a guy you know one of the old sayings is the team knows before the coaches do or something like that 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 doesn't seem like that's the case quite yet and you know i still try to approach this like this is an open battle i I mean there are people who are like this isn't a battle we all know how it's going to end you know uh, do we like okay sure it it may end it it may end up and i i do believe it's probably likely to be Quinn Ewers but just to dismiss it as if a battle isn't going on I I can't do that because I don't think that's how anybody else in who's making this decision is actually handling it
0: well there's the there's the famous screenwriter William Goldman quote which is no one knows anything Mm -hmm. and there's times you need to remind yourself because I think there's like a smart guy insider feel of like the inevitability of yours right and it's like yeah, you know, not necessarily there, there's plenty right. of stuff that we don't see and we don't know the other factor is first of all i love Mahomesing as a verb that's you just saved me like three lines of dialogue in the next post-mortem when you were plays <laughs> i'm just gonna be like he was Mahomesing. uh the i'm gonna make a an analogy and i haven't it popped in my head. I haven't worked it out quite yet. And it may be too narrow for the broad audience to get. So it's the perfect analogy, then, right? It's, right. I haven't worked it out and it's too narrow and no one's going to understand it. So perfect. I'll try. In MMA, there is the early parts of MMA, you were sort of a specialist, right? I was a, you know, you're a wrestler, you're a striker, you're Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you're whatever. Very quickly, people realized that you needed to be able to do everything. And in fights, and it, this also applies to boxing, there is there are periods in fights of transition. And what you realize very quickly in boxing, more so even in MMA, is that the very best fighters are amazing in transition. And what I mean is you're not quite grappling, but you're not quite striking and you're not quite doing jujitsu. It's this intermediate area of like a scramble where you're scrambling mm-hmm. for position, or you're maneuvering someone against the fence. And these are the guys who have a feel for, I can't quite hit this guy with a right cross because I don't have the distance. I can't quite grapple him because I'm not low and I don't have a leg. I can't quite put anything on him like a hold because I don't have a position. Oh, you know what? There's just enough room for my elbow. And you, you, you freaking just improvise an elbow strike and the guy's entire face opens up right? And that's John Jones, if you guys know MMA. He's amazing in transition. His stand-up is not great. His wrestling... It doesn't always have to be by the book. It's not by the book. Like, John Jones has a famous fight where he fights TRT Vitor Belfort, and TRT Vitor Belfort was like one of the most savage creatures God and testosterone ever created. (sighs) And at one point in the fight, John Jones gets him up against the fence and kind of is jockeying for position. And in transition, he realizes that he has Vitor in a weird position and he grabs his shoulder in a weird way and torques it and dislocates his shoulder. And it's never happened in an MMA fight before. No one's ever done it. And to this day, no one else has ever done it. John Jones literally improvised it and yeah that is what i see with hudson card okay in college football and even the nfl to a lesser extent but college football especially there is the pre step recognition read where you come up to the line and simply by alignment you know where the ball's going okay just by alignment and by the guy who's covering x and the call obviously you know where the ball's going. And Hudson Card, he's going to throw that ball on a line. It's going to get there accurately on time. Okay? Then there's another progressive read, which is, hey, if they double double worthy, you know that Whittington is going to be in single coverage running an out. So just hit him in the flat. And if he puts a move on a guy, it's a 15-yard gain. If he doesn't, it's an eight-yard gain. Awesome. Hudson Card can do that. Okay, simple read, same side of the field, progression, up, covered, throw it, done. The thing that I saw Hudson Card struggle with is the transition, which is the pre-snap read is not apparent. You get the ball, guys don't immediately break open. There's a little bit of pressure on the pocket. There's some guys moving around. There's some a big swirl of action. You're not quite sure what the coverage is quite yet. This was especially apparent against Arkansas, that, that three safety, three deep look, same thing against Iowa State, right? Uh, and Hudson Carr didn't have that transition. He didn't have, and I think that was the problem with his deep ball. I, I'm, I can tell you, I can assure you, throwing the ball around in practice, he can hit the deep ball. But in that transition, something doesn't click in his mind. And it's, it's, it's a quick-mindedness and it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence or IQ, Brett Favre is very quick-minded on a football field. I promise you. Off of it. Off of it. I I promise you he can't beat Joe Cook or I uh, in like the SAT or something. I promise. In fact, that applies to most NFL quarterbacks other than maybe Aaron Rodgers, right? So I think I get a vibe from Quinn Ewers that he is quick-minded. And that he goes through and processes through transition very quickly. Now, he's also a freshman, so a lot of transition processing comes with experience, right? But that's the thing I see with Hudson Card. So people try to isolate it and say, oh, he can't throw the deep ball, or oh, he panics. I I think those things are true. I'm trying to tell you the underlying root cause, and I think it's that he doesn't transition from that pre-snap recognition or the simple to read to seeing the football field and and then being able to throw the ball where his mind tells him to throw the ball. And as you were saying in your observation of Quinn Ewers, he kind of gets the ball and throws the ball, like Mm -hmm. a freaking chop wood, carry water. You know, there needs to be a Zen element to playing quarterback, right? of just like, I just do this, I've seen this before, I just throw the ball, and if they intercept it, you shrug and go, ah, I'll get them next time. Like, that's kind of the attitude you need to have. You know, one of the things that can hurt you as a quarterback is kind of caring too much. Like, yeah, you feel bad, you feel guilty. Oh man, I really let the team down. The best quarterbacks are kind of dicks about it. Like, oh, well. <laughs> Get them next time. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's my long screed. If any of you guys understood my transition MMA theory uh, let me know in the comments, or you could just tell me to omit that or, and remove that from the pod.
1: No, I, I, I get that. I think it's, it's that it, 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 it's thinking quickly, maybe yes. not processing, but just being like, Oh, he's got a step in, in being able to, you know, make the, Throw that you've practiced so many times upon recognizing that yes and that iowa state overthrow i think that's the prime example like he's he's there in the pocket he sees where they break open and he just sails the throw yeah like that it's just not there and again that's why you go back and see that one against west virginia where he's like finally i did it because he, he hadn't
0: been able to do it in games it's, it, it it's had like, really been a problem it's like caddyshack When the guys behind him going Noonan, 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 like when he's lining up on a putt, Mm -hmm. I think card in his mind has a little like there's a Noonan like behind him, like uh, and if you know and you can you can overcome that with experience, you know time. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, players can improve from year to year. Texas fans don't believe in this phenomenon. I've I've learned right. You don't. This is his
1: third year. This is only show out as a true
0: freshman, Joe. You're useless. I'm not sure if you know that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's year three, and year one involved him not playing in a completely different offense. So that's all to say that basically all these quarterbacks are pretty green Yeah. Uh, in, in a certain aspect of, of this quarterback battle. Um, they've all got tools. They've all got talent. But the uh, the proof will be on the field. And I guess, I mean, I don't know how much time you got. I got to get a little bit written up, but um, I think last year, there's something I'm really curious about, is that Hudson Card won the job because he performed in practice. He did. I mean, that's that's how, you, that's how you do it. And I think there was a... They eventually were proved justified after a fashion that, like, well, who cares what happens in practice? Look what Casey Thompson does in the games. He, he did well. He moved the football and Sarkeesian even admitted as much.
0: And... Yeah. Casey Thompson, while Hudson Card was showing off in practice, Casey Thompson was watching film.
1: Right. He was watching
0: 25 hours of film a day. No quarterback in history
1: has watched more film than
0: Casey Thompson.
1: Kyler Murray is in, in awe of, <laughs> of Casey Thompson. But, I mean, there, there was a, a notion last year that it's like, well, who cares what, what happens in practice? Show me what happens in the game. Right. And I think Texas fans, as they – very want to do. They they look back to the glory. Well, James Brown did it. Yeah. Well, James Brown played 26 years ago. And I don't think there's been another player like that who just tore it up in games and just had it run down his leg in practice like all the stories I've heard about James Brown. So I think there was criticism last year about like about Steve and being like, well, how do you pick this guy in practice? Uh, when the games look different. Well, all he had to go on was practice. Yeah. And I think that there has to be a realization that though it may seem unlikely, and again, though I don't believe it's going to shake out that way Hudson card could have, you know, let's say there's 20 practices between now and the first game. If Hudson card has 18 really good practices and three of four really good scrimmages and Quinn Ewer's, and similar reps with similar personnel has 10 good practices and two good scrimmages. This, the choice is going to be pretty easy for Steve Sarkeesian. I don't know if the fan base is going to be able to handle it. I don't know how you and I will be able to handle that reaction to it, but he's going to pick the player that does best in practice before the season because that's what he has to go off of.
0: The, the concept of a gamer is actually way overdone there are very, very few gamers in any sport. They do exist. It is a thing. The number of people who think that they are gamers versus the actual number of gamers, uh, that is like the Joe- Kyler Murray. That's like the Joe (laughs) Cook accountability Venn diagram. Right. Right? Exactly. Uh, Posted by UT was. So to get back to an MMA or boxing analogy, if you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu or you box at a boxing gym, and I've done a little of both, right? You've got friends who are like, bro, if I ever got in a fight, I just freaking, like, I just go savage, bro. Like, bro, yeah. I, I just, I just like, I, I would do Shaolin eye strikes and I would like, bro, you don't know what I'm capable of. I just unleash. And it's like, well, you've never trained. And as much as you think you're a gamer, what actually would happen is you'd be shocked and you'd, You'd throw terrible looking punches. And if the guy knows how to wrestle at all, you'd be on your back in about 10 seconds. And everything you think that you would do, you would not be able to execute. And I think a lot of people fail to appreciate that for quarterbacks. That, mm-hmm. oh, some guys are just gamers. You got to put them in. Hey, some guys are just gamers. That number, very, very small. <laughs> the number and, and of guys, probably not at Texas either. Right. That's probably true. And and the number of guys who can actually pull it off not huge and you know james brown is is the example there was a little bit of that of vince young when he was young but vince young as a junior if you'll talk to guys who are at texas the ball didn't hit the ground in practice vy was like like knew what he was doing and it it looked good obviously as a freshman and a sophomore he relied more on his incredible running ability and improvisation um but you know the fully unleashed Vince Young was the guy who threw for three thousand yards, right? right? It wasn't the Ramper, guy. Who, yeah, it wasn't the guy who just took off running if the, the first receiver wasn't open. So, right. Anyway, uh, there's a transitional gamer, right? <laughs> Where you know, you you are a little bit of a gamer, and then you actually add the infrastructure of knowing what you're doing as well. And and I think all that's to say, like,
1: if Quinn Ewers is going to win this job, he's going to have to do it. Every day in these next 30 days, and not yeah. just like wait on Hudson Card to mess up and then show up and then go throw four touchdowns. That's just not how it works.
0: It, you do it every
1: day, it, so then you can throw four touchdowns. That's it when it actually counts.
0: That's true. And I'm gonna laugh when in a month, Quinn Ewers comes in in like the second half of the Bama game and throws three touchdowns. <laughs> and oh my gosh, after stinking it up in practice, right? And he's second, you know um it'll be even funnier when it's malik murphy joe
1: oh i was gonna go all the way to the
0: ben ballard Ben ballard yeah nice a yeah. fellow ben ballard fan all right yeah let's do this. so all right all right yo i noticed that you just moved is that correct i did just move all right are you renting can you, can or? you tell but i i'm leasing yeah you're leasing oh leasing sounds that's fancier than renting. Joe didn't like that. He leases everyone. He doesn't rent. Oh, man. <laughs> Private school guy. He doesn't rent. I, he leases. I go
1: fancy when I can. But, other, than, I mean, I've unpacked my jorts. So. That's good. Congratulations. How <laughs> you know about the drawers you wear? No, jorts. Oh, your jorts. Very proud jorts guy. I don't mind Do, at all. Do you really own jorts? Oh no. Yeah. Where are they? Do you own shants? What are shants? Yeah, right here. They're the long oh no. And they're even cut off Oh yeah. no.
0: Oh, oh no. You, if you buy pre-made if you buy pre-made jorts and they're not jorts. You have got to wear that to a press conference. Uh
1: <laughs> so I what one jort story. they baseball um go to the dish and you know. I try to wear pants for football games and stuff like that, most occasions. But baseball, you know, if it's Tuesday versus uh, UTRGV, I may wear shorts and I might throw on a t-shirt, but usually a collared shirt. But a couple years ago, uh, the she's, i think she's the current director of player development. Uh, she used to be the SID. Carly Todd goes like, you know what? I have one rule in my press box: no shorts allowed. And I was like, "Hey, hold on a second. And that, I, got, my I got shut down. I got shut down pretty quick on that one. Uh, well, so
0: the George transition negated my moving transition, which is if you were not leasing, Joe Cook. You want to buy a house. If you want to buy a house, I know a guy. You need to call. His name's Gabe. Gabe Winslow. That's right. Very good. Joe knows. Joe knows. I've done
1: your ad read before. Last Do time you, you were or one of the last times you were in Austin.
0: You, it's funny Joe I don't know almost any phone numbers anymore cuz they're all pre-programmed on my cell phone. I right. know like my old house phone, my you know, my old where I grew up in Austin. Right. Uh, and I know Gabe Winslow's phone and you guys need to know <laughs> Gabe Winslow's phone. It's 832-557-1095. That's 832-557-1095. Why should you know Gabe Winslow's phone number? Well, for one thing, he's the best damn mortgage guy in the great state of Texas. If you are buying a house, or if you're even possibly looking at a refinance, who knows the markets are so freaking volatile. There are occasional windows where that pops up and it could make sense. You need to give Gabe a call. You can also reach him at mortgagesbygabe.com. Gabe is a sharp dude. He's an ethical dude. I've read all the testimonials before. I'm gonna have more to read soon. And uh, look, he's a guy who's gonna do you right. That is a business where this is not Gabe's opinion, I'm speaking on my own. That is a business where you don't always get the most straightforward characters. And it's really helpful to have a guy who's extremely competent, extremely smart, and is actually looking out for your best interests. Not just because you're a longhorn, but because you're a human being uh, performing one of the most important financial transactions of your life. Gabe takes it very seriously. Give him a call, 832-557-1095. Joe Cook, do we have anything else we want to touch on? We got the obligatory quarterback talk in.
1: Ooh, Let's see. You got a win total yet? Win total? Um, Wasn't Vegas eight? I think Vegas was either eight or eight and a half.
0: I would take the over on eight. Um... Eight and a half. Are we just dealing regular season or do you get to count the Big 12 title game? Just regular season, I guess, right? I think just regular season for all these. Huh.
1: See, I can buy eight and four baking in that loss to Bama and still making Arlington.
0: Yeah, it could happen. Um, if any of you read the Thinking Texas Football preview, uh, I, I will tell you that I think the Big 12 this year has a bunch of average to above average to maybe good teams. I don't think the Big 12 has a lot of terrible teams this year. And in fact, even the bad teams in the Big 12, the ones that I think will finish near the bottom, are extremely dangerous. So Mm -hmm. would I be shocked at all if Texas Tech or TCU beats Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, or Texas? No, and you should not be shocked either. Uh, This is going to be a styles make fights. I get to continue the boxing and MMA analogies. I love it. This is a styles make fights year in the big 12 and you're going to have certain matchups where certain teams match up really well with other teams. And uh, yeah, I I think that you could have two big 12 title game participants where they both have two losses in conference. One of them could have three losses.
1: Yeah. I think if it's eight and four, I mean, if you're baking in Bama, that means six and three in the big 12 and they made it, uh, all the way to Arlington, six and three in 2018. Yeah. But normally the number is two losses, one loss. or You need to go eight and losses. one typically. Right. Yeah. Um, and at I, worst, seven and two.
0: Yeah, we could enter into some tiebreaker scenarios, which will be interesting. Because um, I, be I don't know them all. Um,
1: I can't remember them either. I mean, it, it gets – I don't think they need a, the coach's pull anymore. Or No, no Riles Art trials.
0: Uh to uh, interference. To, no. Well, what's always funny is if you look, often the tiebreakers are tied to points per game difference. And at the same time, coaches and the NCAA talk about, you know, sportsmanship and you know, let's not run up the score. It's like, if you're gonna put it in the tiebreaker and we're playing in a conference that's competitive, you're telling me that in the fourth quarter and I'm up by 35, I need to try to get up by 56. And luckily, I
1: think in the NCAA that started to purvey in basketball with the onset of any team, you're, you're rewarded for beating a team by more than 10 compared to beating them by less than 10. Right. I don't know if it goes further and further than that. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, and if, you're, if you're a better team, you know, just, just beat them. I, I, I agree with sportsmanship to a certain extent, but there's, there's not much difference between – 20 to nothing and 30 to nothing now if it's 60 or 70 to nothing okay okay call dogs but like at a certain point you know you're you're trying to you're trying to do do right by your own team yeah and i think I most college football coaches are starting to get that too
0: yeah i think they people have come around and by the way if the second team is in and they're still scoring you know tough luck what are you supposed to, what are you supposed to do yeah, yeah. well I'll, I'll throw this you know People talk about that old Texas Colorado Big Twelve title game in Houston, where Texas look people people all give Drew Kelson shit. It uh, reader and great all around dude Drew Kelson. They give him crap some of them for knocking Joel Klatt's brain cells into the stratosphere. But if you go back and remember that game, Texas was up by like fifty six in the third quarter. And Gary Barnett, being a prick, while Texas is running literally like fullback dives, just trying to run out the clock, he's having Platt drop back and throw the ball every down, like trying to make up the difference. So Texas got pissed off and started blitzing. And that's the real story of of what happened. Ask ask dudes that, that were on that team. They'll tell you like, hey, we were calling off the dogs and we got really pissed off because Colorado did not like respect that and they're ha- dropping back every down trying to score and like acting like the game was still viable and they're like we got pissed off and they just we they started calling blitzes on every down <laughs> and and poor flat just got rocked every single you know throughout the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, well it's made him into a uh, it's made him into a pretty darn good color analyst so like he's the only dude He's the only opinion analyst in college football I can listen to.
1: Same. And I mean, he's paired with Gus, too. So it's, that's the best crew. That, that's still my favorite crew. And I still like – I mean, Fowler's also – we're going way off rails. But Fowler's up there. I don't mind Herbie. I mean, Herbie, if he starts going off, off the beaten path, it can get weird. But Herbie in a game, he's, he's pretty good um, at, at showcasing what you're seeing. Um, but I I don't think he's and then Danielson his snark is great but I think he misses a lot as far as on field action so
0: I don't think there's anybody better than than Gus and Joel well I Gus's orgasmic (laughs) styling combined with Klatt's like concise accurate analysis uh, and he's sort of unforgiving like he doesn't really have any favorites and Mm you know uh, he just he likes of,
1: football. You can he tell. He likes, he football likes football and he just
0: describes what he's seeing and he doesn't really care yeah. if any fan base gets offended. Um, but yeah, I, I, agree. All right. Do we have anything else we need to hit Joe cook? I think we're all good. I got, I'll be at practice in uh, an hour and a half. All right. So. Can you, I mean, look, we joked about this, but like to wrap this up, can you hold some people accountable today? I
1: will. If if I see something bad, I'll run out on the field myself.
0: All right. Yeah
1: slap slap i have yet to determine
0: they have cloacas that's a clue
1: that's what i thought it was
0: so google Um, the cloaca not like like you haven't already googled that (laughs) (laughs) i know i know know. that's a different discussion oh man all right joe hey it has been a pleasure thank you so much and uh we got to do this again i always enjoy talking to you man and uh yeah absolutely all right take care paul all right wear your daisy dukes Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again... That's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas, even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. You need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura. If you're thinking about putting your house in the market, this is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that the 2022 Thinking Texas Football Preview is out there. That's right, the Burnt Orange Bible is ready and waiting for you. That is, of course, if you're only interested in reading the best damn Texas football preview that money can buy. And it's also the best Big 12 preview, it's also the best Texas Opponent preview. There's also awesome recruiting uh, information and articles provided by Eric Nalin. There's tremendous photography by Will Gallagher of Will Gallagher Studios. Hey, jump in. If you're a Longhorn fanatic, there's no reason why you shouldn't have this preview. Uh, in my opinion, it's the best thing that you can buy. It's funny. It's amusing. It's analytical. I pour my heart out into it. And I appreciate all of you who are supporting it. And of course, all the folks who are nice enough to leave reviews. Currently, there's about 70 reviews on the different places you can buy it. All of them five-star. So don't just take my word for it. Take theirs. Go buy the Burn orange Bible today.